0: I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for being here and welcome to the resource room podcast. Hi, it's so nice to be here. Would you please start off by sharing with my audience a little bit of who you are, what you teach, what do you do on TPT? Let them know a little bit about you. Okay.
1: Um, So I'm a special education teacher working in a self-contained high school autism program that ranges from 14 years old to 21 years old, Um, although I'm currently on a parental leave this year because I had a pretty rough 2021 and I needed time to focus on me and my family. But I've been working in special education for like 15 years, I would say. Um, so I always wanted to be an elementary teacher and it was, it wasn't until my first 10 years that I applied for my current position where, um, it was a little bit closer to where I live and I wasn't sure what the grade level was and I accepted the position and found out it was high school. So here I am four years later as a high school teacher, but it completely changed, um, my view on what kids need before they exit high school.
0: That's amazing. I think that's like a good like story of you find your place in the world, like you'll get there where whatever that's meant to be. Sometimes what we think for our lives is not actually where we need to be or what we need to be doing. So that's good. Yeah. So, before we hit record, we were having a great conversation. Actually, finally I said, "Okay, Lisa, we got to finally hit the record button because we're talking some good things." So, um one of the things that you were talking about was how you believe so many kids cannot work independently. They have been supported so much and guided so much. Tell me a little bit about some problems that you saw, especially in those high school years, um, concerning independence.
1: Right. Um, So I guess I'll start with the elementary piece, because when I was doing elementary, I mean, My sole focus was a lot of life skills, some academics, other, you know, communication skills, independent skills. But it wasn't until I got to high school that it was like slapping me in the face when I saw my 14, 15, 16 year old students couldn't do anything by themselves. They couldn't even do errorless learning activities. They couldn't tie their shoes. They could I mean, they were so dependent on the adult that was with them. It was crazy to me. And I said, okay, we need to do something about this because I had no idea that students were, I mean, what were they doing for like the last 10 years? So <laughs> I had started um, having vertical team meetings with Um, you know, elementary, middle school. And I said, okay, this needs to start, you know, kindergarten. And so we had started talking about um, implementing independent work systems. And then we started it way, way young. And now I'm hoping by the time they get to high school, I don't have to reinforce a lot of the skills I'm reinforcing right now. And that they can be independent learners, because the two skills that I'm working on solely in high school right now are communication skills and independent skills. And if they don't have those two skills, it is impossible for them to do anything when they exit high school.
0: So, so true. And oftentimes as an elementary teacher, I can say, I don't ever see that. Obviously I'm thinking of how am I either holding their hand too much or what is that going to look like? Say, you know, as their first grader, oh man, what's this going to look like in third grade, things like that. But To really hear from somebody who is on the receiving end of high schoolers, that's powerful. Regardless of what grade level listeners are teaching right now, they're all going to end up with a teacher like you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it gives me a unique um, perspective as well, because I have a son with Down syndrome. So I am um, a mom of a special needs student who would often get tidbits from the school as in You know, did you know so-and-so was what, you know, had Jacob on their hip all day? Or did you know he was sitting on everyone's lap? And I'm like, no, that should not be happening. Now, granted, he's only six years old, but no, that needs, those habits need to start way young and he should not be sitting on people's laps. He is the cutest. I give them that. He He
0: is absolutely adorable. (laughs) He is a
1: ham and he can get his way and he knows how to bat his eyes. But when he comes home, he wants me to open his packages, to take off his coat. And I'm like, no, did you learn this at school? And I think that um, reiterating those independent skills at school as much as we can, and not only that, but it is the job of the special education teacher to train the paraprofessionals that are working with our students correctly. So for example, when I train my staff, I'll walk around constantly and we'll I'll, I give them verbal praise. I'll say, oh my gosh, you're saying exactly what I would have said. Keep doing that. Or if I don't hear them saying, I'll say, oh, can you try saying it like this? Because if you don't intervene, which I didn't do for the longest time because I'm not confrontational. So I, I do very nice ways of doing it. So um, once you start intervening and you start hearing that over and over and over, I mean, it really
0: shows in, in
1: the students' work
0: that's powerful, really. Like that is a big deal. And even just that it literally is training and showing what the expectation is. And it is hard to know what to say, when to say it. And sometimes too, I I know I'm guilty of this. I might do some of those things because of time. It's like, come on, come on, come on. We've got to pack up. We've got to do this. We've got to get to the bus or we only have a 30 minute group. And so you just rush. And you may be doing things or i you know i can say i may be doing things for my friends not intentionally it's literally just a time crunch or we've got to go get these students and this student and so you just do something that really could be creating a bad habit in the long run
1: yes over and over and you know i i made my room like a team and so we often will correct each other now and so okay. they'll say oh Oh, you, you, I see you, you're, you're helping him opening his, st- and I'm like, Oh, thanks guys. You know, it's just stuff like that, that when, when you build a community in your own classroom, it is so nice and refreshing that we're all helping each other, not doing it, doing that. And something that I've come across with any new paraprofessional that I have, they have no idea about the prompt hierarchy. I mean, they have no idea how to scaffold. And right. so, you know, they just want to jump to help the student. And I'm like, just let them struggle. Let them do that on their own. Say, say they fall and, and drop all their stuff in the hallway. And, you know, poor six year olds like, oh my gosh. And they're, they're literally looking up like, hello, you need to be helping me. And I'll stop, <laughs> I'll stop I'll open my hand out to the paraprofessional and say, don't do it. Let them figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not using their words. They're not even trying to help themselves. And it's so, it's such, it's such a hard habit to break even for ourselves. <laughs> Even for our own kids, because I'm also always in a hurry. Come on, put your shoes on. Let's go. Let's go. But for just to try to break those habits, even a small portion of the day would go very far. And I can't even tell you if you if anyone starts working on independence so young, that will change the lives of the students forever, forever. And and the parents will love you for it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> you'll be like the best teacher to them forever. If you can yeah. teach them independence, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> so one of the reasons whenever, um, you and I were talking about, will you come on the podcast? You said, you know, I teach self-contained, right? And so I'm like, yes, I know I'm a resource from teacher. It's the resource from podcast. Yes. You're self-contained, but I had a really big question for you that again, led to that great conversation. So we've got to kind of have that again to share with listeners, because I had said, so sometimes, you know, we might have some young ones that come from special needs preschool and maybe they should go, or many might think, Hey, we're going to put them, or they should be placed in a self-contained program for life skills or, or whatever. But sometimes for one reason or another, that doesn't happen. And so as a resource room teacher, not often, but a handful of times in my career, I have had students that it's like, uh, they're, they're more intense than what I'm used to, or they need more from me than what I literally have the time on my schedule for. For example, one student that I had, she needed to have, or her IEP was written to have like two hours of of service, some of which was pushing, some of which was pull out. And so I guess my question for you is what would you do in that situation where maybe a student should be in a self-contained program, but I am unable to provide that, or now they're in a resource room or, or with the resource room teacher and they don't quite have the skills to do what you do or what other life skills and self-contained teachers do. So, what are your suggestions? What we, what would you say to that?
1: <laughs> it's it's such a big question because obviously this can be different from district to district, state to state. But I think um, implementing some type of independent work system, or sometimes called structured work system, in any point of the day that you're trying to service the student would help them and help yourself because not only are they practicing independent right. skills, but you're freeing up an adult to do something else. And I mean, that's our goal, right? For them to do stuff alone. Um, and as long as you're training your your staff correctly and you're teaching the student how to do these systems it will go over so smoothly. And especially for, um, I think you had said it was a kindergartner. I mean, I mean your kindergartner shouldn't be doing, you know, 30, 45 minute, you know, independent work system. They should be doing that 10 to 15 minutes and then increasing from there. And so if any resource teacher has this um, child and then they can carve out those 15, 20 minutes, I think it would be so impactful.
0: So are you saying maybe, I'm just idea, you know, brainstorming here. Would that be something like that student comes to my group? We have our 30 minutes with me doing our thing, whatever. Maybe she takes a small break, but then goes into that 10 to 15 minute workstation or whatever is a sustainable period of time for her. Is that what you're thinking?
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think that that would increase her independence overall Mm -hmm. if they could do that as much as they could. I mean, I recommending doing these systems, I mean, to everyone, but (laughs) (laughs) to do it at least once a day so that they get familiar with the routine, the structure, and they get some confidence. And honestly, I have seen independent work systems in a classroom or a resource setting, you know, decrease problem behaviors because it is so familiar. They don't have an adult in their face saying, oh, you need to learn this. You need to read this. You need to do this. They are doing everything on their own, even if it's, and I'll give you an example. This little girl that you had could have very well had a three drawer bin system. In the three drawer bin was a peg puzzle, a little, um, you know, coloring sheet. And then the last thing was a file folder game. She just goes boom, boom, boom. She knows how to do all these things by herself. So she just goes through them and she's done. You know how much confidence she has? No one had to help her through it. She did it all by herself. She's so excited. That generalizes to every part of her life. I mean, it really, really is mind-blowing to watch.
0: I also, as you were talking about that with her specifically, that student I was telling you about, With her also asking questions and asking for help was also something that was a difficulty for her, not her greatest difficulty, obviously, but also I could see through those, if you did break a crayon or you need a new paper or some of those things it would also maybe teach that, is that right? Or would you have it where literally do not bother me, it's 100% independent? I
1: mean, independent work systems in general are supposed to be, they do their, their own thing. They they have no questions. They're supposed to do it all by themselves. But absolutely, that should spark them trying to problem solve, try to communicate. They should be able to get up and look for help. I mean, those things just come naturally. If you st- if you go into many classrooms across this, you know, United States, for example, Any kindergarten class, you will see the TA sitting right next to the student at all times. And they're so dependent. You know, the TA is opening the marker for them. They're opening the glue. They're opening the task box. They're opening the file folder. Oh, you know, Susie dropped all the puzzle pieces. Don't worry, Susie. I'll get them. No, don't (laughs) do that. I mean, think about what the child is actually doing. Nothing because you just help them do everything. And I mean, it's just... It really is crazy when you start teaching your staff to step away and just to let them struggle. It's, I mean, it really is crazy to watch. And watching my paraprofessionals do this and I teach them how to do that um, is crazy too because they're like, wow, I didn't know that, you know, Susie could do all that by herself. Well, we got to get in the habit of starting letting them do things alone
0: and to a lot of our students are smart to know like miss holiday isn't going to let me do that but mrs wilt will, will <laughs> like she yeah. she will let me sit here helplessly while she does the work but somebody else won't and so even they they know and the training is such a big piece there
1: it really really is and on the opposite end of that there are kids who they want no help but they're um you know, their paraprofessional is helping them too much. And, and often you'll find a lot of confrontation happening between the student and the aide, And it's really because it's like, get out of my face. Yeah, I just want to be able to do my work alone. And this, this staff member is just on top of them.
0: And so that can create problems too. For sure. Definitely. So earlier, you were talking a little bit about, you know, routines and, Systems, what could you explain that a little more? What is that routine or what is that system that you have created? And I'm sure it looks different at different levels, obviously, but what, um, what, it, where, where would you start?
1: I would well, it depends because I talk about like six different types of systems uh-huh. constantly. Um, but your your younger students typically start off with like a three drawer bin. So you're talking about that plastic thing you find at Walmart,
0: mm-hmm. and you
1: literally are putting three different tasks in each of those bins. And it, honestly, it could be anything. It literally could just be a peg puzzle. And if they can't, let's say your little girl, Susie, she didn't know how to do a peg puzzle, but she, couldn't, she knows how to put one in there. You could tape down all the rest and just have the one piece so she feels some success. She pulls it out, puts it on a table, and she puts the one peg puzzle in and then puts it in an all-done bin to the right-hand side. That's completing one task. And on top of this, they should have a schedule. So when Susie comes to this, you know, center, desk, table, whatever it is, there should be um, um, like a matching schedule. So if the first drawer has that peg puzzle in it, on top of the drawer should be a picture of a star. And she should be able to take the star from her schedule and match it to that first drawer. Then Susie knows to open that drawer up, do that peg puzzle, and she's done with it. Same goes for the second drawer, maybe it's a square. Susie takes a square off, does the file folder game, she's done. Once she understands this type of system, she should be able to do it after a couple days um, independently. As long as the things that are in there, the tasks that you're choosing, she can do independently, Now, there's lots of times where I've screwed this up. Believe me, (laughs) I put in like a task box and there's, you know, they're using their teeth to open it. I'm like, okay, I shouldn't have used a task box because that was really difficult. I should have like rubber band them or something. Or um, the file folder games. I have some students who struggle with the Velcro Uh. and they'll sit there all day and try to rip, rip it, rip it. And I'm like, okay, that's not very independent. If you have any point in time you're going over to help the student do part of the task, it's not independent. And so, and that's like a huge thing that um, teachers and paraprofessionals need to learn too, because they're like, oh, they know how to do all that. Well, no, they don't. Do they know how to cut it out? Do they know how to glue it? I mean, maybe they do, but they don't know how to take the top off the glue. I mean, that's a skill in itself. And so all these things are like eye-opening things when we do a whole training on independent work systems in the beginning of the year. Because a lot of the staff I get are like, oh, I wouldn't have thought about that. And it's just like eye opening. And so there is a lot of training when you're talking about um, implementing independent work systems. But once that training is done, your classroom moves so much smoother and the kids become so much more independent all throughout the year. So I much rather would put all that time up front and then have the students learn. There are different types of systems. Like you can have the like bins on top of the table instead of a three drawer bin. You can have The work inside of folders instead of the three drawer bin. You can have the work on a shelf instead of the three drawer bin. There's lots of ways you can do it. It's just a lot of people prefer prefer the three drawer bin because it's so simple. I mean, you literally just buy it from Walmart and you put
0: it next to the table. So That's what I was thinking. It sounds like I could literally do that for any of my kids for things that I wanted them to work on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I do it with my My kids at home, I have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old and a two-year-old and all of them want to do, you know, mommy's work. They call it mommy's work. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'll set you up with work. And two are typically developing. I mean, if, I mean, everyone's asking to do it and it's, it's because it's so familiar to them and they feel like I did something successful today. Yeah. Think about how hard school is period. And if I have my nine-year-old who's crying over fractions. I'm like, okay, what can we do to make you happy? But plus we need to do some learning and I'll set something up for her. And she's like, okay, I did it.
0: I actually did
1: something good today.
0: (laughs) So what kind of, like some of the examples you were using earlier, like a pegboard and a file folder game, and I can't remember, a coloring page the file folder game could be academic, depending on what you're putting in there. What would you say the ratio of like academics to something like a pegboard working on more like a fine motor skill or other things?
1: It honestly, it does not matter what the tasks are, because what you're trying to teach the student is the independent skill that they can finish Say, you, say you're teaching this to a brand new student and they can only do one task. So you start with one task, one bin, a top drawer. And then you want to move that. So by the time they're getting to high school, I have some students who are doing nine, 10, 11 tasks oh, yeah. in a row. And, and if you think about it, I could use, they could use this system once they get on those job sites. I can say, okay, put the cheese away stack the can, you know, and have little pictures or, you know, some of my kids can read. So it would literally be a checklist. We use checklists. So it literally a checklist, do this, do this, do this. And then, oh, I forgot to mention before that one of the main things to get them motivated is to have an incentive at the end. So if Susie's doing, you know, the square, the triangle and the heart, there needs to be like, oh, she listens to music for five minutes or, oh, she gets the jelly bean, however you want to do it. So by the time they get to me in high school, I remove like that type of incentive to go check with your boss, right? And I'm the boss. So they'll come up to me and say, okay, I did my 11 tasks. What's next? And that is so important because I can use that once they turn 18 and we put them out in the community. Um, That's what we do in our district. Uh, They now can say, okay, at the church, I need to do this task, this task, and then go ask my boss, what's next? So I mean if you're talking about something that moves all throughout the all throughout the school this is something that can be generalized into every part of their life including home. So I don't know how I got started with that
0: but did I answer the question? Yeah, I think so. I love that really, because you're exactly right. Whenever you said they were up to eight or nine, I was like, that's amazing. Because how many of us on a daily basis, me during my prep period, I'm trying to get eight or nine things done, you know, so it's <laughs> you're, you're going through that and that's a life skill. That is literally what we need to be doing or, you know, yeah. life, regardless of your job and it can transition well, which is beautiful. So that sounds like a lot of materials, a lot of parts, a lot of pieces. How do you keep things like that organized? So
1: what I do is I create an inventory list and I fully train my staff on how to set it up, um, assign tasks. They take all the data for me. Um, They're fully trained. So I have no part in, in any of this until they give me the data at the end of the month and say, okay, this is what's going on. Then we will meet and say, okay, they've really grown with this. And then we can talk about either upping the rigor, or um, changing off the tasks, or like what what failed miserably. And then we'll talk about how we can change that out as well. Um, Oftentimes, then not in the beginning, you're right alongside that um, paraprofessional kind of training them. And then you're pulling back, it's almost like, when you scaffold with a student. So you're pulling back and making sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. But eventually, I mean, they're there to make our lives easier. So I put everything on their plate and then I watch all of my students become independent. I mean, it really is magical.
0: That sounds magical. So it sounds like then you're maybe changing what's in the task boxes or in their drawers once a month? Is that right? Like they're doing the same thing
1: for a month? So it would depend. So um, it's a little bit tricky because my students all are on the autism spectrum. So doing the same type of task or even the exact same task is very comforting to them. And so I typically leave the same task in there for a few weeks. Um, during COVID, I was doing like once every Friday. Every Friday, I would actually wipe everything down and then rotate it to rotate them out. Um, and that worked. But I did have one student one year who hated doing anything the same in the same day or even the next day. So that person I would have to change out. And so I would make Monday through Friday bin and then they would know, okay, this is the bin for Monday that I just have to shove in those bins or those drawers. Um, and so the TAs would really know, they would understand like, okay, I need to do that for this student, but different for another student. I've also had classrooms that have only had like one student on an independent work system, because they really needed it, but everyone else was pretty independent. Um, so honestly, this just depends on the, the needs of your student. Um, you really have to know the student. So if you don't know the student, take time to get to know them first, then try to implement an independent work system.
0: So what I'm hearing is if I once a month or once every two or three weeks could come up with something for my little one, she could do that. It's not like I would be adding hours and hours of prep and planning is is what it sounds like. I could come up with a handful of tasks and kind of rotate in and out. And it should be for a longer period of time so that they can be more independent, right?
1: Yeah. 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 You got it. You got it. It really takes a load off. I'm telling you,
0: I've been doing
1: independent work systems. I've been doing this for, I started implementing them six years ago, actually seven. And I was, I hated them at first because I was like, this is too much work. I can't do this. And honestly, I I wasn't, I just wasn't trained enough to know. And so after I learned, I'm like, oh, I, I need to make sure everything's ready. I need to my biggest fault was not teaching my, my paraprofessionals. Right. Honestly, I was like, okay, do it. And they're like, what, what are we doing? What, <laughs> what do I, I don't know what to do? And then we didn't teach the kids how to use it. I just thought that they would know they just sat over there. Like, what do I do? And then often they would have a behavior because they're like, I don't know what to do in this thing. And so it was just miserable. But as soon as I figured out a really good proven roadmap, I was like, okay, perfect. And then my life got so much easier. <laughs>
0: That's like, okay. This, this is working. Ooh, ooh. So, how yeah. long would you say and I would imagine maybe it even varies by student. How long would you say you are like heavily supporting a student as they're learning and then pulling back? How long would you say, you know, is it a couple of days? Is that a week longer? I think the
1: implementation process would take it and it, this would depend on the student. But I have had 16-year-old I mean, like huge six foot two boys who had no idea what they were doing. I mean, they they literally needed an adult for every part, but they were so capable that took months for us to kind of like scaffold back to like walk away months. But if you're talking like kindergartners who are still just learning, who who really want to show you I can do stuff independently. This is you're talking days. I mean, maybe weeks to kind of full, fall back and scaffold that support. Because once they figure out, oh, this one, this is what she wants me to do. Oh, I get it. And I see the biggest mistake that I see paraprofessionals doing is using a lot of their voice. Kids become voice, you know, the um, voice prompt dependent, like immediately. And that is so hard to fade. So they're like, okay, it's time to start your, you know, independent work system. Okay, do the square. Okay, the next thing I'm like, no, you go over there and not speak at all. I mean, I have even put masking tape over my paraprofessional's mouth because I'm like, you cannot talk. If you need to tell them to do something, you need to use gestures, and that is so easy to fade because you can, you know, point to things. You can bump their. I went to like bumping my kids' elbows, and that was enough cue for them to do their work or like get back on task. And so again, training your staff correctly is so so important.
0: I think you're like probably the third or fourth person that I've interviewed that has said that. And honestly, I never not that I didn't train, but I never thought about the importance of it as much until I'm talking to other people and I'm like, "Oh, you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. I should train them to do this and train them to do that." And that that's okay.
1: So I will tell you a little secret. I was a TA for three years. So I I understood what it was like to kind of be thrown into things and go, okay, figure it out. And I'm like, why is why aren't they training us more? And I will say that this might be just a my district thing, but our district doesn't train paraprofessionals. Actually, they're like, well, they, they come to us, they're like, what should we train them on? And I'm like, really? I was like, and then they'll give they'll give them like the same training we're getting. And I'm like, no, they need specialized training and this, this, and this. And they never listen. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's so frustrating because I know exactly what they need training in, but it often gets overlooked because, you know, protocols or whatever. Um, but that's why I try to carve out time every week. I went to my principal and was like, listen, I need 15 minutes at least a week to like talk about things that worked, what didn't work, uh, training that needs to go over and stuff like that. And they granted us that. So, um, and I don't, I know a lot of teachers don't have that kind of time, but it really is important. And probably not necessarily to you, but I have, the most I've ever had was nine adults that were under me. And I'm like, I, I can't manage nine adults without having some sort Um, of common time. time.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> not and do yeah. a good job. I mean, you could try to put it into words like in an email, but I don't know about you. I don't have time to read things like that. Or I don't <laughs> have to write things like that. You could say things yeah. here or there, but then you might only be able to talk to two of your nine adults, or then let me tell you guys this to catch you up from that, which then they're not all hearing the same thing and all asking questions yes. and hearing those answers. So it is important.
1: You got it. It was a nightmare when I had those nine because I didn't get approved right at first. And I had like little fights breaking out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is not what I signed up for. And, um, you know, it's like, oh, I didn't hear that. Or who told you that? And I'm like, oh, geez, this is like back in kindergarten. Again. Yeah. <laughs> and I hated I actually hated my job at that point. I'm like, OK, I didn't sign up to be, you know, micromanaged a team. I wanted to just be a teacher, but slowly but surely, I figured out, oh, we need more common time because this is this isn't a team anymore. This is like it was just awful. So that's so important, and not enough districts know that.
0: Well, I'm glad you discovered that and found your way and were able to to get there and really pause and train and do the things that are needed to make all of your students and staff successful. Yeah.
1: It took like 10 years to find that
0: out. <laughs> Isn't that the way? I'm also finding that's a common theme as I do more interviews that I'm like none of us know what we're doing. We're all just trying to get by and then later we're like, "Oh, I should have, you know, like it took me years to get there." It's good. I'm glad I'm not alone in that though. <laughs> For real. So you've talked a lot about independent workstations. And so before we conclude, I really would love for you to tell my listeners about your course and even some of your social media and blog and things like that. Where can listeners find you? And then what will they find there?
1: Oh, yeah, I didn't even talk about my. So um, I have a TPT store, um, Chalkboard Superhero. You can find me all a platforms on that. Um, I have a website, IG, Facebook, and whatnot. Um, I do have a freebie that's like, a, um, it's like a starter kit for independent work systems. It has like all the schedule pieces you could possibly have in there, including some data sheets. Um, but I did just create a course all about independent work systems and it literally goes step by step on how to train your staff, how to teach your students, how to be organized. Um, I even throw like $50 worth of resources in there so that you can get started right away. Um, That's how I'm super passionate about it because I have a special needs son that I'm like, okay, we really need to start getting independence here in these school systems. Um, So that's kind of where that is.
0: That sounds wonderful. And if you're good with it, I'll link that in the show notes. That way, if people would like to opt into that or they do want to check that out, because I know we're resource room teachers and I know we're different than you in many ways. But we also sometimes get, in my mind, put in some predicaments that it's like, "Mm, I I don't know what to do here. Or even (laughs) like with the student I was telling you about, I just felt in so many ways like I was failing her. I felt like I was wasting her time as we were waiting for her to be kind of old enough to have a, um, another psych evaluation. They wanted her to be a little older because then, you know, your IQ is more stable, things like that. I, I 100% get all of the reasoning, but -hmm. it's just hard to sit and feel like I wasted a year and a half or two years of her education, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think this could be useful. I also feel like teachers, regardless of what you teach, I don't care if you're teaching gen ed, special ed, self-contained resource, or I, it doesn't matter. Every teacher says, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. There aren't enough hours in a day. And that's where I was at with the student was it's like, honey, if I could spend two hours a day with her, I would, but I don't have that kind of time. How much could an independent work system have helped Her accomplish a lot of goals and a lot of tasks, I think it would have been very powerful. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Yeah, 100%. So I appreciate you sharing that because I do think that it's something that our listeners or my listeners need, and special ed teachers of all sorts need it. And they may not even know that they're needing it because if you had told me that two years ago, when I first got her, I would have been like, ah, "No, I mean, I'm not self-contained. I don't know how I'd use that." And now I'm like, "Dang it! Why didn't I know?" Why didn't I know? <laughs> you know. You know, I tell people about. I mean, even in the own school
1: district that I work in, I'm like, "Try this. Try it. and." I'll, it just falls on deaf ears, and until they see it in action and understand the why, and in the benefits, then they're like, "Oh, I never." Thought of that. And that's where I'm like, okay, I really need to try to get in front of as many special education teachers as possible because they don't know that they need this. Even, you know, in a lot of the gen ed rooms that my son goes to, actually, it's an integrated co taught classroom. So there's some special ed, some not. Even in his classroom, I'm begging the teacher, please, that he needs some sort of independent work system where he is working alone. I know that he has a one on one right now. I know that she is hovering over him constantly and it's not her fault. It is, it is just, I don't know what it is. It's, it's really everyone's fault. It
0: couldn't <laughs> be too. I, this is just me. I almost feel like if I were an assistant and I'm supposed to be helping this kid and I'm sitting across the room, I feel like I would feel like I wasn't doing my job. Right. You know, or like other people would be like, she just comes in here and sits in the back of the room.
1: You know, (laughs) like that
0: would be the perception. And so I think it just comes down to maybe even like a stigma of what it should be or what people will think of you if heaven forbid you let them do things on their own.
1: Right. I think stigma is a great word because, you know, Just to counteract that, I would often tell my paraprofessionals that they need to be helping all students. You're a teacher of the classroom. That's what I... I I never want my students to understand who is helping Johnny and who is the the teacher. Yeah. I want everyone to feel like the teacher. And so um, that paraprofessional should be helping all the students. But when that other student is struggling, you know, my son, he... They can help him when he is struggling. Now, obviously, he can't do a lot on his own, so they're going to be there supporting him. But why couldn't they support the four kids in the back? Right. You know, why couldn't she float between the three of them? Because often, it's it's not that they're trying to do the wrong thing by you know constantly. It's just because they're not doing anything else. They're really just twiddling their thumbs. So of course they're going to help them pick up their crackers off exactly. the floor. Of course they'll go get water in their canister. And of course, they'll pull down their pants in the potty. I mean, what are they supposed to do? Right. right. So it's just those things that we have to keep them busy in other ways and get it in a habit. So if if I say, okay, you need to be working with the four students in the back, but hovering around Jacob, (laughs) then that should be like their job. Okay, I need to just kind of walk and walk and walk instead of just sitting there constantly or him sitting in their lap for circle time. And it's just all those little pieces that they don't understand. You need to start pulling them
0: away. I agree. Well, I'm glad you shared that because so many of us are doing things that we may just not know. And yeah. it's good to hear it and good to hear it from different, a different perspective, you know, from somebody from the high the high school area, also somebody self-contained so that we can really start looking inward and seeing what we can change right yeah good well thank you so much I encourage everybody to go check out her social media and definitely that course and other materials on TPT because maybe you don't want the whole course but maybe you do want to say okay I want to try something and see how it works in my resource room before diving in but I have a feeling people will be back for more and they'll be back (laughs) for a course to learn how to do some of those things Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.